everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Um, today, today, we're going to talk about uh, our final sermon is entitled The Game Changer. And I think that this is important for us uh, uh, to wrap it up this way uh, because of where God wants to take us as a church. And I believe that, and I say us as a church, I'm not referring to New Birth, I'm referring to the body of Christ. Um, where God wants to take us as a church, he has to be with, He has to be able to entrust us with what he's going to give us. And as he entrusts us with what he's going to give us, we have to make sure that our hearts are right and ready to embrace what God has for us. And that's important. And so I'm going to be talking about the game changer. Game changer. Um, and the reason why we picked this title is because um, in sports, and again, if, if, if you've been here long enough, if, you're not, if this is the first time here, I just want you to know that I, um, I love the New York Yankees. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love the New York Yankees a lot. Um, born and raised in New York. I uh, love the Yankees, uh, which, by the way, next Sunday, Mariano Rivera will be here. Let me just say this. Next Sunday, our service starts at 1030, at 1030 in the morning, not at 1115, at 1030 in the morning. We're going to have one service, and is that what time? All right, church, I don't want you to come at 11. Don't come at 1115, at 1030, okay? Um, and um, Pastor Mariano Rivera of uh, New York uh, greatest closer in, in the, well, greatest closer in the history of Major League Baseball will be with us, and he's going to be sharing uh, by means of his testimony, the word of the Lord is going to challenge us, it's going to bless us, and so I want everyone in this room, everyone in this room to bring somebody to church next Sunday, everyone in this room, Let, let's think about this math, if everybody brings one person, we'll fill out this place, if everybody brings one person, so let's bring somebody this Sunday and let them know that God's going to challenge us uh, by, the, by, by the life of a man who has not only impacted the sport of baseball, but he's impacting the kingdom of God. And so that's going to happen Sunday. Next Saturday, this Saturday coming up, um, we have our softball championship game. And um, with a lot of pain in my heart, I have to say that we lost. Amen. We lost. I told you week one, we played, the first sermon was play to win. And I told you I don't like to lose. Well, guess what? The Lord humbled me because we lost. Um, and I'm, I saw me some healing. I had told the media guy, I told the guy, I said, um, buy two trophies. If we, if we win, we keep the big one, we give the small one. Um, but the Lord rebuked me, so we're going to give big, big trophies, okay? Uh, but the idea is that the cool thing about this is that this Saturday, we're going to have all of the churches that have been playing with us. We have about eight churches that have been competing and playing in um, on the sports. Um, next Saturday, all of the churches are going to come. Even the ones that didn't win, they're all going to come with their teams and their uniforms. And uh, Mariano's going to come and do the, the, he's going to do the first pitch before we start the game. And then at the end, he's going to present the trophy. It would be nice if everyone in this place that doesn't work and is available to make it to Ben John Park. That's right, right behind Rainbow Park in Kissimmee, uh, next to Valencia. If you could make it at 11 o'clock, we're going to have our game at that time. It would be phenomenal that you, for you to come and just be part of that experience. Uh, take pictures with him or whatever the case may be with the team. And just be part of a family experience. That's going to be great. So that's Saturday. Sunday, 1030. Everybody has to be here together to celebrate what God is doing and close up the summer at New Birth to the glory of God. So having said that, I'm going to be talking about the game changer today. And um, I, I want to start off by saying that there is a difference between, listen to this, star spirit, all-star spirit, and all-star attitude big difference. What makes a player an all-star? Because everybody that joins any sport, whether it's major league, whether it's baseball, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, everybody starts as a player. But something happens once a player is recruited, which by the way, which by the way, my brother Sammy's here, who is an all-star player in Europe. <laughs> Amen. Um, so, some of y'all don't know this, but in 2007, God graced the Mejias, and my brother was drafted to the Pistons of Detroit NBA in 07. Then he went to, he's been traveling and playing in Europe for the past 10 years, I would say, 
France, Dominican, Dominican Republic, Russia, Italy, all over the place. And now, now he's been in uh, Turkey for a while. He's going to be retiring soon. Amen. After a long legacy. And so uh, I, I saw my brother play when my brother was a whippersnapper in the Bronx. And I remember, I remember when, we, when I was in a basketball team. Believe it or not, I was in a basketball team. I don't know what I did, but <laughs> I was in a basketball team um, 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 with Ruben, my friend, and we was in a team. And, and I remember that it was me, it was my brother Isaac, it was my brother Danny that plays piano. All of our brothers were very gifted in basketball. Um, I'm the least gifted, but. Um, and, and we would play, and we were in a team. And my brother, my brother Sammy, at the time, he was young. He was small. And so um, he would always tell my friend Ruben, the coach, hey, I want to be in the team. I want to be in the team. He said, nah, you're too small. You can't do it. You're too small. You can't do it. Um, and we would play, and we would win, literally. We were, we were great. It was a great team. Um, but then my, my brother got determined, said, and he told, he told uh, uh, Ruben, he said, you watch, one of these days, I'm going to be the center of your team. I'm going to be the main guy in your team. Um, and years passed by, a couple of years passed by, and, and, you know, lo and behold, a few years later, my brother became the center player of the team. And he, as he went in, they said, well, we got to get rid of somebody. They got rid of me. I don't know. I was no longer in the team. I don't <laughs> so all that for nothing, you know. They were winning championships, and then he played, you know, college ball in Chicago and uh, DePaul University, and then from there he was drafted online to the Pistons. Long story short, um, he's with us, and we're, I'm just so glad my brother's here, and uh, give God some praise, to, you know, for our brother. Amen. But I bring him up to correlation to let you know that he wasn't always an all-star player. When you look at Mariano Rivera, the greatest closer in baseball, the greatest. He wasn't always the greatest. He wasn't always an all-star. He started out in Panama somewhere fishing with his father. Matter of fact, he'll tell you next Sunday, next Sunday, he didn't like, he, he loved soccer more than he loved baseball. But there was an all-star in him. Now, how do you evolve from being a player to becoming an all-star? Somebody say consistency. Consistency. Work ethics. But now, now that you become an all-star, now that you become this great person, now that you become this influential person, whether in sports, whether in life, whether in business, whether in family, the question is, how do you live a life with an all-star mentality as it pertains to the spirit of an all-star and not the attitude of an all-star? Let me tell you what an all-star spirit represents. An all-star spirit represents excellence. It's playing the game the way it ought to be played. It's playing the game with excellence, consistency. It's being responsible to the charge and the office you have received. It's not slacking or looking for shortcuts in life, but being good through the process you used to use and have before you became great. It's being consistent. So that's an all-star spirit. It represents excellence. It says, every day I'm going to be the best at what I do. Every day I'm going to serve as best as I possibly can. Every day when I go to work, I'm going to be the best employer in my job. Every day I'm going to be the best husband in my, my marriage. Every day I'm going to be the best my parents can have. Every day I'm going to live life with an excellent spirit, which is an all-star spirit. But then you have... The all-star attitude, which represents a feeling of entitlement. Now you're no longer in the shadows. Now you're no longer sitting on the bleacher. Now you're in the limelight. And now that you're up here, and now your attitude as an all-star is, well, y'all got to take care of me. Y'all got to make me feel. I ain't coming out till they call my name and my name is on the screen. I'm not coming out so everybody start applauding me. I'm not coming out. I'm going to say right here. The attitude of an all-star is I am the last and the most important person in this world. And there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong being an all-star. The challenge with being an all-star is the attitude of an all-star. Now listen to me, church. An all-star attitude translated to our spiritual walk is like having the mentality that says, I deserve 
this or I deserve that because of who I am, because of what I achieved, because of what I've conquered. And we must be careful not to fall in the trap to conclude that we are the end result of the achievements we've achieved. Because if it had not been because of God, listen, you would never have achieved anything you've achieved. Listen, 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 listen. I'm still asking myself, what did my wife see in me when she saw me? You know, we say, what did you see in the dust? I'm telling my wife, what did you see? <laughs> Listen, when I met my wife, I, look, I did not look as good as I look today. And you know why I know I look good? Because my wife makes me look good. Baby, we're the home run today, baby. <laughs> Put some Luther Vandross tonight, baby. We're going to have church in Jesus' name. Now, listen, listen to what I'm saying. I don't know why I said that, but anyway. Listen, listen. Okay, I got it. Okay, okay. Now, now listen, listen. When she saw me, she saw no she, I, You know, I was like, man, what did she see in me? Because... I remember when I first met Petri, my gosh, she was amazing, and she's still amazing, and, but I wasn't, I wasn't up there, you know, I was, you know, I, I didn't have, you know, the nicest fashionable sneakers and stuff, I was, I was trying to impress with suits and, and shirts, because that's all I had, and, 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 I, and, and, I, and, I, and I remember, I remember that when my wife saw me, my wife was able to see some things in me that other people didn't see in me, and I'm glad she didn't go out with me because of everything I had, or because of everything I didn't have. Because had she picked me based on the premise of what I didn't have, we wouldn't been together because I had nothing. But she chose me because despite my limitations, she saw potential. Despite the things I didn't have, she saw through the eyes of love and through the eyes of faith. And so today when I stand here and I'm like, man, look what the Lord has done. And you hardly see my wife on the pulpit because I'm always here more than she is. But let me tell you, if I am up here today, it's because she was sustaining me when none of y'all saw me and none of y'all knew me. And so that's why when I, when now you look at, wow, look at Pastor Gabby. Pastor Gabby is nothing without the grace of God and without a woman who believed in me when nobody else did. So now how dare me stand up on the Mount of Life, act like I'm up here because of me. If it wasn't because of God, I would have never been where I'm at today. If it wasn't because of my wife, I wouldn't be where I am today. Don't fall in the trap of thinking that you are the best thing out of your own results. You are the results of other people pouring in your life. When you have that all-star attitude, you say, no, this is not all about me. I deserve this because of who I am. I deserve this because of what I have. I deserve this because of the accolades I've had. But I'm here to submit to you today, a person who lives with that kind of mentality is setting themselves up to a great demise and destruction. And Jesus tells us this. In Matthew chapter 32, let me give you the undergird of the scripture. Jesus is speaking to a specific group. That's when you read the Bible. You can't just read the Bible and say, the Lord says, because, you know, you know, well, I, no, that's another message. We hear that. Listen. Matthew 23, Jesus is, go, is speaking to a specific audience. He's not speaking to sinners. He's not speaking to his disciples. He's not speaking to Romans. He's speaking to Pharisees and scribes. And that's important for you to understand. Now, let's read what Jesus is going to tell to the Pharisees and the scribes. He says in Matthew 23, 12, he says, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whomever humbles himself will be exalted. Now, why did Jesus say that to the Pharisees and scribes? Well, let me tell you who were the Pharisees and who were the scribes. The Pharisees and the scribes in the times of Christ were more famous, more influential, more powerful than Jesus. More powerful. When Jesus is quoting that scripture, Jesus' popularity, Jesus' influence, and Jesus' 
power, ministerially speaking, was not as great as these guys. Now, when you go to Jerusalem, in the times of Christ, when you go to Jerusalem, there were invisible circumferences around the temple. Now, if you were a Pharisee or a scribe, because the greatest thing in Jerusalem, in Israel, was the temple that was built. Right? So, only Pharisees and scribes were allowed to live in the immediate circumference of the temple of God. So if I'm walking in Israel and I'm looking at the temple and I see a house across the street from the temple, I don't need to have, I don't need to see a sign that says this home belongs to a Pharisee or a scribe. Because everybody that lived across the street in the circumference of the temple was either a Pharisee or a scribe. So it was a position of elitism. It was a position of prestige. Then outside of that first circumference, then you had, you had the Pharisees, you had the the Pharisees, you had the scribes, then you had the Sadducees. They lived a little bit more outside of the circumference. So now, so Israel, in the times of Christ, religiously speaking, was classified by people groups, people groups, people groups. So if you were in the temple, you were serving in the temple, then you had the scribes and you had the Pharisees. Outside of that circle, you had the Sadducees. And then outside of that circle, you had the Jewish population, the, the citizens of Israel. And then outside of the city walls, you had this group called the Hessenians. And that's where John the Baptist come from. That's where he was out in the wilderness. So, so, so depending on your influential status, if you was an all-star, you was living in Israel. In, in, front of, in, in, in the perimeter of the, temp, in the, of the temple. If you were a heathen, a regular person, you was living next to the city walls. So, so Jesus is telling these guys who were the most influential to the most affluent, the most in, 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 important people in the city. He tells them this scripture. He says, whomever exalts himself shall be humbled, but whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. As if to say, do not allow pride to enter in your heart because you're living next to the temple. Because the only reason why you're famous is because of the temple. And I am the God of the temple. You cannot fall into the trap to think that you're an all-star player in Israel because of you, Papa. Because had there been no temple, had there been no God, had there been no presence, you would have been nobody. But understand that the reason why you are where you are is because I am who I am as a result of who you are. Well, he says, don't get it twisted. Y'all think y'all great and y'all think y'all awesome. But I come from heaven to tell you, if you humble yourself, God will exalt you. But if you exalt yourself, God will humble you. And so that verse comes out of this. And, 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 and Jesus is correcting them in verses 5 through 7 of the same chapter. He tells them, talking about the Pharisees and the scribes, he says, everything they do, Pharisees, scribes, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. Because they, they used to dress with these big robes so that everybody could see, you know, peacocks, you know. He says, he says, Jesus is telling the audience about the scribes and the Pharisees. Where everybody's like, I want to be a Pharisee. I want to be a scribe. Jesus said, no, no, no. Before you say you want to be like that, that all-star attitude, let me talk about that attitude. Everything they do is for the people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbis by others. And he says, these kinds of people, if they don't get it right, they're going to be humbled because God only exalts the humble. Why am I bringing this to correlation? I'm bringing this to correlation to let you know that as God continues to do great things in your life, in your family, and in this church, we got to be mindful to always give God all of the glory. That if God, the Bible says, if, if God does not build his house in vain, labor those that work it. And the Pharisees know it's all about us. And Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand. Without a temple, there's no Pharisee. 
Without a temple, there's no scribe. Without a temple, there's no Sadducee. Without a temple, there's no Torah. Without a God, there's no religion. You've got to understand. And that's why the bigger God takes us, the higher God takes us, the lower we got to go. I remember a story as a child. Someone said, an anecdote of this preacher that was invited to preach. This guy had more degrees than a thermometer. He had all kinds of titles. They called him a preacher. They called him a pastor. And now for me, it is an honor and a privilege to present to you the orator of the hour. He is a pastor. He is a leader. He is a bishop, an archangel. He is a cherubim. He is, he is a bishop. He is, and all these times. And the more they kept giving him his titles, he getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And he was smiling. And everybody, wow, he's a preacher. He's a teacher. He's a theologian. He is, he is, he is uh, uh, an instructor. He teaches, he pastors, he's a mentor, he's this, he's that. And it is my honor for everybody to get up and give God a robust, a clap for the man of the hour, the man of power, the man when he speaks, demons tremble. The man when he speaks, light turns into dark. I mean, I mean, and, and they mentioned his name and everybody started clapping. And he's coming up the stage like this. And he gets on the stage. You know how they do. And he started preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and nothing was happening. And this preaching was as dead as a cemetery and nobody is responding. And the message wasn't connecting and the Holy Spirit wasn't moving and he was trying to make it happen. And he's preaching and he's preaching depending on his titles. And he started speaking Greek and he started speaking Hebrew and he started speaking Aramaic and nobody's moving. I'm talking about not even the flies felt the spirit. It was just a dead service. It was as dead as dead could be. The cockroaches said, I'm leaving church. Church is whack today. I told him, it was just crazy. It was crazy. Nobody got filled in the spirit. Nobody gave their life to Jesus. Nobody said amen during that sermon. Nobody clapped their hands. And at the end of a sermon, he didn't even know how to close a sermon. He said, well, God bless you. Sat back on his chair. When he sat back on his chair, the person next to him told him this. If you would have gotten down from the pulpit the way you went up, you would have come up the way you went down. Let me explain that. What he told him was, if you would have gone, because he came in like a peacock, and he ended up being humbled. The guy told him, if you would have come to the pulpit humble, you would have left like a peacock. But you thought that your success was dependent on your gift, on your titles, on your degree, and your position. And let me tell you, the God I serve, he does not share his glory with no one. That's why when God used you here singing, give him the glory. When God used you as an usher, give him the glory. When God used you as a preacher, Give him the glory because when praises go up, blessings come down. Got to give him the glory. If you don't give him the glory, you will hinder your victory. You will hinder your victory. Because it becomes difficult to win when pride and arrogance takes over your heart. Arrogance blinds a person. And it makes them feel that he is more important, more better than other people. When my, my, my firstborn was born, my daughter, and then my son, and then my other son. When they were born, they started walking on all fours. Right? Hands and knees. That's how they started walking, crawling. You call that crawling. When you mature and when you go through training, then you end up walking on all twos. There's a guy in the Bible by the name, there's a king in the Bible, Nebuchadnezzar, who God allowed him to achieve mighty exploits during his leadership. He built cities, fortified walls. He built structures. He built a fortress. And after he had built it all, the Bible says that he stood in front of his palace and he looked at the, at the greatness of what he built. And he said, look at the great city that I have built. You know what happened to this guy? His nails started growing like an animal, a beast. Hair started growing from his back. 
he started now walking in his hands and his feet. And he was eating grass like a wild animal. He started out on two and ended up in four. My children started out in four and ended up in two. There's always room in the kingdom for those of us to understand that God wants to take us from this position to this position. But once you get to this position, you cannot let pride go in your heart. Because if you let go pride go back in your heart, God will take you from this position back to this one. So this is why in everything you do, and everything you say, and everywhere you go, you always got to be mindful that there cannot be room for pride, for arrogance, and self-centeredness. But in all that we do, we must give God the glory. Not it will hinder your walk. It's crazy that the, the, the center letter in the word pride is I. I. It's all about me. You want me to go? What am I going to do? Nothing? I ain't going. We got to get rid of the eye of pride. Because that for some and many people, your pride is the reason why you're not going where God wants you to go. There are people, they have gifts. They have gifts. I remember this one chick. The girl could sing. She's going to sing. She sang. Sang. <laughs> she sang. But pride never left the next level. We got to be careful. And falling in the trap of assuming and concluding that I am the central focal point of my success. There's this person, this divine being by the name of Lucifer. Lucifer, which by, by the way, his name is, his name means, Lucifer means angel of light. That's what Lucifer means, angel of light. Lucifer, when you read the book of Ezekiel and the book of Isaiah, Lucifer forgot this important reality. He forgot that his existence depended on the God that created him. Now, now, why did God call him Lucifer? Why angel of light? When you read his divine composition, the Bible says that in him, in Lucifer, he had different types of stones. The chrysolite, the diamond, the onyx, he had the topaz. All of the beautiful stones were in him. Okay? Now, diamonds and jewels shine as a result of the sun. If there is no light, you cannot appreciate the value of a diamond. So, so if, whenever you go by, this is going to engage and want to get married, he said he love you. Whenever he takes you to go get a ring, I don't know if you notice there's always light on the little, on the little desk thing. Whenever he takes it and try to put it off the light, no, 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 pop, pop, put it on the light. Come on, I want to see. Because if the diamond, this is what happens. This is what happens. When you go to jewelry store, there's a lot of light on the table of display because they want you to appreciate the value and the worth of the diamond, but the only way to see that is if there is enough light to hit the stones, because as you're looking at the diamond, you can, you can tell if it's cubic sarconia, and, and, and uh, honey, some of y'all got some cubics, and y'all don't even know about it, but put it in the light, I'm telling you, if, if, if it's a cubic sarconia, and you put it in the light, it's going to look like cloudy, it's going to look like, like weird, but, but the more pure the diamond the more bright, and you can eat, actually, you can actually see the colors of the rainbow. And that's another message. But I'm gonna, color of the rainbow. And, 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 and so the more light it hits on the stone, the more you can appreciate the value of the stone. That makes sense. So, so when God made Lucifer, he made him, in him was all of these diamonds and all of these gemstones. But you couldn't appreciate Lucifer outside of God. So that's why when God made him, he made him 
the closest in proximity to God so that whenever the angels and the seraphims and the cherubims and the archangels and the four living creatures in heaven, because nobody in heaven, nobody could see God face to face and stay alive to tell about it. Nobody can take a selfie with God. The, the phone would decompose. The Instagram would explode. You can't, you can't see God. So what God did, he said, I'm going to make a creature named Lucifer and my glory that no one can see. I'm going to put myself behind Lucifer so that as the glory of my power reflects on the stones of Lucifer, when the angels look at Lucifer, they got to give God glory because now they can see the glory of God. So, so, so Lucifer's effectivity was dependent on God's grace and God's purpose upon his life. Let me tell you, you are not the end result of who you are because of who you are. If God shuts the light of influence, you can even help yourself catch your next breath. So what happens? Lucifer is right here. Every time, every time I'm born like this, because theologians say that Lucifer was the worshiper in heaven, the worship leader in heaven. The reason why they believe that is because he's the one that caused the church, the angels, to worship and praise God. Because as the glory would shine on the stones, you no longer can see Lucifer. Because now all you saw was the reflection of God. It, you, it, Lucifer was only there as a mirror. You couldn't see Lucifer. But Lucifer got twisted. He said, wait a minute. Every time I move, the angels are going, hallelujah. Every time I do this, the servants are worshiping. Every time I, 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 I move my hands and the shine comes out of my underarmpit, everybody's clapping and shouting and carrying along. So I must be as important as God. And then he said in Isaiah, he said, I will arise and I will put my throne, which he didn't have, I will put my throne be next besides to the almighty God so that I can be like him. And God, you know what God did? He changed his name from Lucifer, that means angel of light, to prince of darkness. He took out the stones and no more could he radiate energy. And no more could he radiate grace because, because what, God, what God is telling us through Lucifer's life, Lucifer's existence is that he does not want us to fall in the trap of believing and concluding that we are the end result of who we are. That's what he made Lucifer. He made him out of jewels and stones and onyx and topaz and chrysolite. But then when he decided to make us, he went into the dirtiest, the dirt and the mud. And out of the mud and the dirt, he made us out of the dust of the clay. And no more did he put a stone in us. Now he puts his spirit in us. And now we got the spirit of God. And with the spirit of God, he is leading us towards humility. Because if you're humble, God will exalt you. But if you're exalting yourself, get ready. Because humility is around the block. Let me tell you, church. New York Yankees were winning championships. Let me tell you. They were winning championships until they had a dream team. There was a season in the Yankees that they had Derek Jeter, Posada, A-Rod. Mariano, the best coaches. And Mariano told me a, a year ago, he said, Gabby, it was crazy because we had all-star players and we couldn't win a championship because everybody was pulling on themselves. Everybody was, no, I'm better than you. I want more money. I want a bigger contract. And everybody was playing to break records not to win games. And he said, Gabby, the, the worst, he told me, the worst times that I played with the Yankees was when we had all of these all-stars and we couldn't win a championship. Because in this thing called life, in this thing called the kingdom of God, mama and papa, this is, it's not about us. You friends that are here. If you invite Jesus in the core of your heart and you make him the central focal point of your life, you would be surprised how God could take your life in him and make you great. But realize this, that he wants to do that so that you can remember and acknowledge that if it's not because of him, you would not be where you're at today. We cannot think that we are indispensable. That we don't need God's help. 
This is the problem of the atheist. And that's why the atheist will always be will always be frustrated. Because we need and we depend on the workmanship of God. Now, what happened when pride and arrogance entered our heart? Let me tell you what happens. When pride and arrogance entered in the heart, when it enters in the heart, heart, it opens the door for prejudice. It opens the door for finger pointing. You cannot be humble in a finger point. Only the pride and the arrogance finger point. It opens the door for the rejection of God and his word. And as a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's a very dangerous zone to be in. That's why the Bible repeatedly tells us to guard ourselves from arrogance and guard ourselves from pride. Proverbs 16, 18 tells us pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, and on he says, for by this grace given to me, I say to every one of you, look what he says, do not Think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. That's humility. In accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. He says, do not think of yourself more highly. How can I, how can I not think of myself more highly as I'm being great in God? That first verse, for by the grace who I am. It's not because of Gabby. It's because of his grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace means I don't deserve it. I don't know why he gave it to me, but because he gave it to me, I'm going to live the rest of my life thankful, appreciative, and living a life of worship because I understand that who, what, where I am. It's not because of Gabby. It's not because of Maria. It's not because of John. It's not because of Peter. It's because of his grace. While we were yet, Jesus died for us. And now when I can understand that it is by grace, I have no problem thinking better than what I ought to because I'm always on the check knowing that if it had not been for the Lord, Apply this in your marriage. See what happens. See your wife as a gift of grace and not a demon from hell. See what happens. See your husband as a gift of God and not a money-making machine to pay your bills and your nails and your mascara. See, see everything and everyone God has placed around you like that. God gave me this marriage by grace. I don't deserve it. God gave me this job by grace. There were people more qualified than I were, but some kind of way God made a way. God gave me this car by grace. It might not be a BMW, it might be a Pinto, but I'm going to Pinto myself to work. Hey, I, I might not have the best car, but what I have, when you live life by grace, you live life in victory with a spirit of an all-star in everything you do in life. This is why, this is why this Thing, the heart is a game changer because you could be great and change the game because of your attitude. You could be a great person in anything. I mean, family, business, work, sports. You could be great at anything. And starting out when nobody knew you and starting out in the sidetracks of community and you come now to the mound of life and you're this great person. And if you don't let, if you let the attitude of an all-star destroy your mind, it can change your goals. And you can be doing the same thing and not win. You can be swinging the way you swung before, but it's all about me. You won't win. Because he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is. That's what Romans tells us in chapter 8. Listen, listen. God knows the heart. And since God don't share his glory with nobody, this is why it's important for us to stay humble. To be humble, church. When you acknowledge the area that you're lacking in, and you open yourself to become better. That's not a weakness. That's a strength. Some of us know I don't need a body. Imagine, imagine Mariano. I don't need a pitching coach. I got this. I've been throwing coconuts in Panama for seven years. I got this. No. When he came to the Yankees, he had a pitching coach who never pitched a game of baseball in the Yankees, but was looking at his pitching style from a different perspective, okay, he's not moving right. He's not throwing well. And he said, Mariano, listen, you're, you're pitching well, but here's what you got to do. Move your left, your leg a little bit more to the left. Stop leaning a lot on your, and, and he would coach Mariano. Imagine Mariano said, bro, bro, dude, shut up, man. You ain't pitching, I'm the one who's striking out. 
in life, you have to give room for God and the Holy Spirit to work in you. You got, nah, I'm anointed, man. I'm, God uses me. I don't need to pray no more. I don't need to read the Bible no more. I made it. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God is your training coach to help you. But let me ask a question. When was the last time you read your Bible? When was the last time you heard your coach speak to you in your ear in prayer? When was the last time you took time to sit in the, in the coach, in the God? What, do you, what, what areas do I need to work on? But you, you're just so into yourself. And you know how to do this yourself. And you, you're like the Pharisees. You got the clothing on. You got the, the mannerisms on. You know how to do it. You're living in the temple. You, everybody knows you go to church. You got a, a, a leader's tag. And, and God is saying, no, no, but, but, but it's, it's, it's more than that. Because you can fall into the trap of doing the mechanics of church. Then miss out the God of the church. He says, he says, no, let, let the Holy Spirit train you. Let the Holy Spirit do it. That's the job of a coach, to bring awareness, to bring light in the dark areas of the game of a player. So, church, let us allow the word of God and the Holy Spirit to coach us, to coach us so that we can experience a game-changing reality in our lives. In your marriage, allow the Holy Spirit in there. In your finances, you get paid Friday at 5 o'clock. You're broke that same Friday at 7.30. 6.30. That's central time zone. You're broke. Let God in your finances. You, you 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 cannot have one friend for six months. Let the Holy Spirit work in your relationships. Let him in. Let him work. Let him work. Let him coach you. He's not out. Listen, a coach will never tell you, a coach is always going to push you to be better. He's always going to push you to be better. I remember, I'm almost done. I remember I wanted to play football. Don't ask me why. I wanted to play football. I joined a football team in, the, in, in, in New York. And, um, you know, I told you, I told you, I told you game, first sermon, I told you I play to win. I don't like to lose. That's number one. Number two. I like sports, but I don't like you to hit me in sports. I get pissed off when they hit me. You know? If the Bronx in me comes out, like, what? what? So I was in the football team, and, and it was a rough touch um, um, football, football team. And, and, and I remember I was playing, and, 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 and my, my, my coach, Ruben, he gave me this position. This was my position. My position was a decoy. That sounds, that sounds great, right? That's the stupidest position ever. My job, this was my job, this was my job. My job was, and, and we'll, you know, we'll have that huddle. All right, all right, uh, Joey, uh, 10, turn right and, and, and make a left. And, and okay, and then, he'll, and, then, and then he'll tell me after everybody's done, he's like, Gabby, decoy. Decoy meant I'm going to make believe like I'm going to get a pass. So I'm going to run. As if they're going to catch it. And I have to make believe like I'm going to catch it. But I already know that he's not going to throw it to me. My job is to trick people to believe that I'm going to get the ball. So while everybody's doing yards and doing touchdowns, I'm just running like a maniac. And everybody's winning. Everybody got stats. Everybody got And I, what do I got? I got a, I got a hamstring. <laughs> I got a hamstring hurting. I got a, I got a bunions on my toes. And, and, and what used to piss me off, here's what, what used to piss me off, I had to go to practice. And everybody's practicing, you know, plays. And all right, go fast and hut, hut. And, and, and I'm just standing there. I'm like, why do I got to go to practice? I know what I got to do is just run. Ain't nobody going to throw me the ball. And I'm gonna be like an idiot for an hour and a half running. I I felt I felt like I felt like Forrest Gump. I was just running. I was just. Sometimes we feel that way with God. I'm running and I'm serving and I'm doing and I'm doing and I'm doing, and 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 I don't see results. Why do this? Come to meetings. 
and come to, 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 an organ, to, to a planning thing and, and come to this and come to that. And at the end of the day, I never get to sing. I never get to preach. I never get to part. Nobody ever does it. And you know what? You, you, could, you, could, you, could, you could have that arrogant spirit that says it's all about you and consequently leave and quit. Or say, you know what? This is bigger than that. Because when they get a touchdown, I get a touchdown. Because when they score, I score. And if my job is to run, I'm going to be the best forest runner in there. In the, you know, I'm, I'm going to run the good race. God never told me. God never told me to get a trophy in this journey. God told me to run the good race. So I'm just going to run the race. I'm going to run it. But we got to let ourselves be coached. We got to let ourselves be trained. And so here I am doing all of these workouts and all of these, all of these exercises for something I was never going to do. tell you how this applies to the kingdom. Sometimes God allows you to do certain things that at the moment that you're doing it, it doesn't make any sense because it doesn't align itself with what you want to do. But if you're consistent and obedient and allow the Holy Spirit to train you. Imagine David at the age of nine throwing a, sling, a rock on a slingshot and knocking down coconuts. Just knocking coconuts down. You know, when we read, and David took the slingshot and hit the giant with a, head, with a stone in the head and killed him, we think the Holy Spirit was in the rock. The Holy Spirit was not in no rock. The Holy Spirit was in his work ethic. It was him practicing when nobody was watching, hitting coconuts. It was his determination to be good at when nobody was watching. If you have no work ethic and you have no practice and experience in anything, God cannot put you in a mound for anything when you have nothing for it. So God says, let the Holy Spirit coach you. Let him coach you. Allow us. The, allow the word of God and the spirit of God to coach us. I'm done. I'm, all, I'm done. I'm done. Proverbs 29, 22 says, a man's pride will bring him low. A man's pride will bring him low, but a man's of humble spirits gains honor. It also tells us in Proverbs 22, 4, it says, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. So what's the key for a game-changing game experience in your life on a positive note? Integrity. Integrity is the key. Because integrity is connected to self-control or self-discipline. It's to be complete. It's to be the same person you are doing a practice and on the mound and in your job and at the church and wherever you go. And so the Lord wants to usher us as we close this game and we close this series to always remember, do not allow as God use us that the spirit of pride and arrogance change our perspective on this game. Let us always maintain ourselves humble. And let us always give God the glory. This is when you know you're growing. Let me tell you when you're growing. When God does something great on your behalf and you give him glory, you're growing. When God allows something bad to happen in your life and you give him glory, Everything give God glory. Three weeks ago, I stood on this pulpit, and we gave God glory that we were moving into the building. A week ago, I got on this pulpit, and I gave God glory, and I said, you know what, guys? We ain't going nowhere. Not now, not yet. I can't just give God glory for good things. I got to give God glory in all things. Because, because, because it, had it happened, he gets the glory. If God said not now, then I got to give God glory because there's something God is allowing not to happen because he's trying to protect. I don't, I don't know what it is, but here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. I'm in God's hands. This church is in God's hands. God's will is in this church. And 
I can't see it, but he's going to get the glory. So, devil, I'm not going to criticize and get mad. God, but what happened? You said, no, no, no. Well, it, it happened, glory to God. It didn't happen, glory to God. I got healed, glory to God. I'm so sick, glory to God. But, devil, you're not going to let, I'm not going to let pride, arrogance, and bitterness take the best out of me. In all things, give God glory. I'm done. Get up on your feet, please. Get up on your feet. The Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. He says, be humble. Just humble yourself. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, humble yourself. And that's for every friend that is here today. God tells you, humble yourself. That's for the church here today. God tells us, Humble ourselves. Under what? Under God's mighty hand. It's like an oxymoron. Become little in something big. Humble yourself in a mighty hand. Humble yourself in something big. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And this is, this is, this is why. That he may lift you up. A week from now. Not when you want it. In due season. I'm glad it doesn't say... Uh, he says that he may lift you up in due time. I'm glad he doesn't give you that he may lift you up tomorrow. That he may lift you up shortly after. He says in due time. Due time could take five years. Due time could take five minutes. Due time could take 15 years. But he says up until that moment comes, humble yourself. Under God's mighty hand. Because God's not, God's not after keeping you um, uh, uh, minuscule. He says, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to lift you up. But I only lift up those who are humble. So our prayer as a church is, let's stay humble in church. Let's stay humble. That every victory God gives us, he gets the glory. That every victory you get, he gets the glory. And so, friend, you can live a victorious life today by humbling yourself and saying, Jesus, I need you. In my heart, I need you in my life. Accepting Jesus is an act of humility because it says, I can't do this on my own. I need someone greater than me to make me better than me. And so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, everyone in this place, and bow your heads because I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, if you want Jesus, I want you to raise your hand, unafraid, unashamed. Don't be the first, the second, the third to raise it. Why don't you be the first one to display humility and say, Jesus, I need you in my heart. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate you and praise God for you and welcome you to the family of faith. So if you want Jesus all over this room, at the count of three, raise your hand high to the glory of God. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your hand if you want Jesus. I see one hand to the glory of God. I see two hands, three hands to the glory of God. Four hands, five hands. They come into Jesus. Come on, church. 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 This is a moment to celebrate. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.